When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode is brought to you by Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a podcast analytics platform that enables podcasters to see all the relevant data they need to know about their podcast's audience. Sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code RESTING2XPOD. Again, the code RESTING2XPOD. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin, who created... I said give me the hell, yeah! Hey, this is Zeta Zane. Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cobb. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not sexually transmitted. Hey, this is TJP, the Phil and Flash, and you are listening to Stan, Bro, Chino, and Camos on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. On this week's exclusive audio-only episode of the pod, we've got a good friend of the pod, three-time guest Chili Willy, formerly of ECW, formerly of OVW. Joining us here on the pod, it's Stan C. Romoran and Chino Liao. Chili's got a lot of stories again from the North Carolina indie scene, the people he grew up with in the wrestling scene, as well as what he's been up to since we've all been locked down. You'll hear all of that and more right here on this special episode of the pod. Before we get to Chili Willie, though, just want to let you know that even though the next sale on Lazada is a couple weeks away, we still have that affiliate link up on our Twitter feed. It is tinyurl.com slash wrestling wrestling x lazada. Again, tinyurl.com slash wrestling wrestling x lazada. Before you go and buy something on Lazada, whether on the site or on the app, click that link. It'll take you to the site or the app and make sure you check out that item. Make sure it gets to your doorstep when it does, if and when it does. A small percentage goes to us here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast and to Podcast Network Asia to keep the ship running and to make sure we're able to keep providing you with this grade A content. All right. So again, go check it out. Tinyurl.com slash wrestling wrestling x Lazada. All right. Time for us to get to our interview with the great Chili Willy. We are reunited this week with a very good friend of the podcast, and he's appearing for the third time in our lengthening history here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Please welcome former ECW star Chili Willie. Yeah. Hey, Chili's hey. back. It's been a while. Welcome back. <laughs> it has been a while. Yeah, I think the last time you were on was 2018, if I'm not mistaken. We recorded at Wave at my other station. Ooh, or yeah. my current station. Yeah, the bombshell. <laughs> yes, the bombshell. Yeah, yes, yes, the, the old mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the very small booth, very small production yeah. booth we recorded in. Yeah, yeah. So, Chino yeah. and Chili are actually meeting for the first time tonight. So, a lot Chino. of the questions are probably going to be coming from Chino's end. Deba, Chino? Yes, it's going to be a lot of the same questions, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't do my homework, so I hope you don't mind answering a lot of the same questions. Well, I mind hearing the same old questions. I'm kidding. Well, you I'm don't messing. have a choice. So. 
Man, just, just, no, just... Uh, we we got to get the status update first, Chili. How's it? Uh, yeah. How's it going? How is it over in Angeles with the whole pandemic just messing everything up? How are things on your end? For me, here's nice. I mean, it's good. I mean, I can go out and um, go to the bars or whatever. Not well, not not necessarily the bars like before, but you it's like a restaurant bar. You can go in and you can eat and uh, have a couple of drinks. They still do the the, the social distancing. But it's it's pretty lax. Like for me, I think it's more of a, of a control than more of the of the COVID. You know, they're worried about that. You know, people are just you know the officials are just really in this controlled mood. But you know, it is what it is. You know, you follow the rules and you'll be okay. Good, it's it's good. I think it's okay. What have you been up to while we've all been stuck at home? My fat ass and you know, nothing, just chilling, <laughs> drinking, having gout. <laughs> And that's about it. You know, my birthday, my birthday was the other day, week five one. So uh, I'm just trying to uh, maintain life, man, and just just chill. You know, and um, that's all. That's all I'm doing. I haven't really been doing anything. You know, and um, like I said, the gout's been kicking my ass. I had gout for about three weeks now. I uh, was as somebody with gout, I know how much that can suck. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out of the four of us on this call, trust mm -hmm. me, I can relate the most. To what you're going through right now. Hey, but belated happy birthday, Chili. Yeah, happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Thank you guys. And I've just been doing a, a little podcast, trying to trying to do some things like that. Um, the last one I did was last week was on Anchor. You know, a lot of people. It wasn't live. It was just uh, just me cutting it in my bathroom. I was sitting on the toilet shitting, and so I was <laughs> a whole hour or something talking about the injustice of America. So if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out. It's on my page. And so I'm just I'm just doing stuff like that, you know? Yeah, what, what's the podcast that? called? Yeah, what's the podcast called and what's it all about? The podcast is called Chili Willy Opinions. That's I'm just that's just it. You know, every time I make an episode, it's just gonna be called opinions because it's just basically my opinions, whoever my guest is, your opinions, and whatever the fuck we wanna talk about. <laughs> that's what it is because that's all we doing anyway that's all this shit is anyway it's just opinions no one gives a fuck no one cares really uh other than the viewers that watches it and then it's like okay next what's the next subject you know what i mean so we all doing podcasts we all have opinions it's like assholes we all got them they all stink so you know hey it is what it is <laughs> what made you decide to go start a podcast or like why specifically a podcast i was bored man i was like man what Ain't nobody, everybody else is doing it. Why can't I just, just sit there and just, you know, say what I want to say, you know, and uh, just the things that I see on TV, like the news or what's happening in the world. I just wanted to just voice my opinion. That's basically it, you know, and, you know, yeah, that's it. What's it like being here in the Philippines while everything is going on over there in the U.S.? Like, we know how volatile it is with, um, you know, the issues of racial tensions and uh, the elections coming up over in the U.S. in less than a couple of months. So, like, what's going through your mind as an American living here in the Philippines? Man, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> the black man, uh, my black ass is glad that I'm here in fucking Philippines. You know, America is my home, you know, and everything. But, I mean, if you if you have not been, if you, if you was not raised there, you, you don't really understand black or white. The dynamics mm -hmm. of what's going on is very racial. So that's what it's all about. And it's all about class status, you know, the rich or the poor. It's just for me here, it, I, I mean, I, my money goes further if I want it to. Yeah. If I don't, then I just spend it all. But you can just, I, I don't have to worry about certain things. You know, when I walk down the street, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't have to worry about the police. 
you know, doing this or doing that. America is totally different. It's all about your skin tone and they see color first, you know, there it is. Um, so it's just very hard to understand unless you have lived through it, you know, especially being a black person, it's just, whoo, it's tough. Also out here, you're at least two to three cops tall. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> the cops aren't gonna mess with you just now. You know, <laughs> the police here, you know, and the, and the thing is, you guys don't have like uh, state troopers or police right. patrolling, you know, pulling you over for some bullshit, you know, your tags or whatever. The most that I'm going to get is, you know, pull your face shield, face shield down or put your mask on or some stuff like that. But I love it here, man. It's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's very nice, you know, and, um, you know, you guys have your issues too. You know, you have your issues. Oh, every, yeah, for sure. Every country does. But for the most part of it, man, I mean, the Philippines, to me, is very nice. You know, I, 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 real quick, I, really, I tell, I hear people say, you know, I have Filipino friends that say they, their, friend, their family lives in, in, in America. And I'm like, why, why do you live there? Because they say, well, we make more money. And I say, yeah, you make more money, but the cost of living is higher. So you, you're a Filipino, you live in America. You, you're, you're not, unless you're a doctor, lawyer, or chef, you, you're going to be working two or three jobs. If you're housekeeping... You, you're probably going to be working at three or four hotels just to send money back to the Philippines to your family. Just to say that you live in, in America, and you, you're not really making it. It's better for you to have a business here, a sorry, sorry store, chill, drink, your red horse, and relax. You know what I mean? But, you know, to each his own. But America is just, it's, it's rough, man. It's, it's, it's really rough. And it's, it is very, to me, it's very violent. So I like it here better. You mentioned earlier that it's really hard to understand or wrap your mind around what a black person goes through or what a person of color goes through having grown up in the U.S. I mean, technically, all of us would be counted as people of color over there. But for a lot yep. of us here in the Philippines, we're kind of shielded by the ignorance of, of really not knowing what that experience is like. So how do you best explain it to somebody here in the Philippines who just doesn't know? From what I've heard from some of the Filipino colleagues of mine, friends, they, they would say um, some certain Chinese people who have more money than certain Filipino people. And so if, if you ever experience that type of, I guess we want to call it racism or classification, you sure, know, yeah. that's how it is in America. But in America, it's 10 times worse because the color, the color comes first. They don't look at what you know, if you are a, a lawyer, judge, whatever. They just look at your color first and then they judge you by that. So we can't escape, we can't escape, you know, our color, you know, don't want to, I love being black. And so the thing is when we walk down the street, I mean, it's like, Hey, if the cop car is, is riding down right behind us or beside us, you know, they're going to automatically focus their attention. That radar is going to go towards us versus them or a white person. And so it's it's just um that's that's the only, that's not the best way I can put it, man. It's just that's just how it is. It's been like that forever, ever since we've been in that country. We've been in that country for over four hundred years as their slaves. And so after the war in the eighteen sixty five or sixty three, whatever, you know, some of those people don't want. They didn't like that. And and still to the day, to the day right now, they. They, some of those people want that to go back. They want to go back to that way. But, you know, we're, we're fighting for it, man. And, and um, it's just a hard battle. You see it. You hear about it. You're getting killed. To me, it's like genocide, you know, but no one's talking about that. I say take the American justice system 
to the world court, human rights, not civil rights. The police, they're killing us, man. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just a bad situation. To try to tie that into wrestling, I guess I wanted to ask if throughout your career, did you ever find it hard to, to get a push or to advance in your career as a wrestler because of your race? I didn't experience that. Not, not saying that it's not there. I did not experience that. Only thing I did experience in wrestling is as a black person, when you first start out, this is what the, the person taught me, one of the guys who taught me. They preferred that, especially back in, 19, in, the, in the 80s or in the 70s, they wanted the black guy to be the baby face. Okay. Because, you know, you got to look at how pro wrestling started out. It started out like in a, in a circus type air atmosphere and, and it started out in the South or Midwest or whatever. And so to see a black guy become like a, a heel or something like beating up on white guys, the crowd would have went crazy back in the 50s and the 60s, you know, in the 40s or whatever. So they preferred that a black guy would be a wow. baby face start out, you know, and have the crowd have sympathy for him because of his, his race. And then he would try to climb that ladder to be the, the champion or, be, or to win that match. So that was the only thing that I came across. I did have one guy, you know, he was a wrestler and he passed away. His name was Poison Ivy. And uh, he grew up in a racist background. But, when, you know, when you're wrestling, of course, you're close and you're hugging on each other and all this and doing all that. But he could not eat or he did not want to eat at the same table as I. Oh, shit. So, yeah, we did it. We did it. We were going to go to Canada to do a, a tour, but... Before that, we had to do some wrestling around North Carolina. And what happened was we wanted to go out and have dinner. He could not sit down and eat because his, he was taught that his father taught him that he doesn't sit down with black people to eat food. But we could wrestle together. I could body slam him. I could power slam him. That's how close it is. You know, I could put him in headlock. We could sweat yeah. together. Sleep, but he could not eat with me. And he told me that, you know. And so I said, I respect that. You know, it's all good. <laughs> You know, whatever, you know, but, you know, he passed on, God bless his soul. And, 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 and we became friends, but that's how he grew up. And that's how most, that's how some of those guys in wrestling in America are. It's their background, but they love the sport. It's like any other sport, you know, you deal with it, you know, and, and sometimes it comes out, you know, it it come out like, for instance, the, uh, Jackson, what's his name? Jackson Son. I know him as Gunner, as Gunner, because right, we wrestled. Right on a couple of shows in, in, in South Carolina. When I wrestled with him back in 2008, 9, or something like that, or maybe 10, had no clue. Had no clue. That's how, what he felt. But you don't know a person, really, what their social or political you know, mindset is until you, know, you, you start talking to him or whatever. But uh, for me, I thought he was a cool guy. And now he came out with, you know, these, these, these thoughts and these, um, what he said on Twitter or whatever. You know, it still, to me, it doesn't take away from me what, he, what I know him as or, know, or knew him as. He's still a cool guy to me. It's just that he has, his, he, he has his own political belief. And so do I. So that's how it is. Uh, as a worker, sure. though, how does it affect the way that you trust another wrestler? Like, if you think that they have these political views and as a person of color, that has to be problematic. So in a business of trust like wrestling where you're literally putting your life in the hands of another person, what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? Well, I think, like I said, when I was going, coming up in wrestling, we didn't know. We, we didn't have a lot of social media. So we didn't know about these things, you know. Like some people say Dick Murdoch had a carrying card or, 
you know, a carrying card of, of meaning, meaning that means like you're a member of the Ku Klux Klan or whatever. If you know that someone is that, you know, they feel that way. I, I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, with my friend, when I wrestled with him, after I, after he told me that, we still wrestled together. I, I didn't think of it as, okay, he's a racist guy, whatever, whatever, whatever. I trusted him. He trusted me, you know, and that's just how it was because you want to make the show. You want to make that match go well, you know. But now if you get into the match and they start, you know, fucking up the moves or the, the hits become more stiff than what you're used to and you say, hey, lighten up, you know what I mean? And it, and it continues to go and you start feeling a certain situation or a certain their, their attitude change, well, then, yeah, it becomes a fight. You know, then it becomes something totally different. But if you just go in a regular match and you, you both are working together, I haven't experienced that. I haven't experienced, uh, you know, knowing that someone was a racist like that, other than my friend just being I – I, I didn't consider him being a racist. I just felt that he was just brought up in a different atmosphere because a real true racist would not wrestle with me. You know what I mean? He would not get in the ring with me. He would probably say, no, I don't want to wrestle Julie Willie. Or I don't want to wrestle anybody that's black. That's, that's me. That's what I think a true racist is. You know, they would avoid wrestling someone, you know, so. So when you're in a situation when you, where you're supposed to work with somebody who's of a different belief than you are, go as far to say is racist towards you, how do you go about breaking down those walls? Like what? You mentioned your uh, friend who is now passed and how you were able to break down your, his walls. How did you go about doing that with him? Wow, that's a good question. You don't – okay, for instance, if, if, I mean, if I got in the ring with you and I knew you and your beliefs were, okay, you didn't like black people or you didn't like Filipino, Asian people, whatever, you just wanted to wrestle, you know, your own kind, but – we were on a show and the, the promoter said, hey, you, you got to wrestle him to get paid or whatever. I guess the, the best way for me, I, th I think, you know, when you talk over the match in the back, you would talk it over and you would get the vibe. I think you will, you will feel the vibe and what you want to do, you know. Uh, say, hey, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? You know, and if you give me shit short answers, then I'm going to feel some type of way. You know, then it's going to become a shoot fight. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, okay, all right, I, I know where you want to go with this. But if you if, if if we're talking it out and we're you're trying to work with me, you know, even despite I know that you're a racist, we're just going to see what happens. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't been in that situation. So, but I that's what I would think. You know, that's what I did with my friend. Like I said, I don't think he was a true like a pure, pure racist. I just think that he grew up sheltered. I'm going to give I'm going to give him a bit of a doubt. I, I, he grew up sheltered, you know. And so when we talked it out, we talked out the match. And plus, I was a greenhorn, so I had to listen to him. I had to listen to what he was giving me because I was green. And so um, if you are in that situation and you, you feel that someone is that type of way, hey, you know, once you talk it out in the back, you will get that vibe if they're going to work with you or not. From the outside looking in, now that you've retired, you're here in the Philippines, what do you think about the wrestling industry as a whole in the U.S.? Like, are there still those... Those tensions, are they still pervasive or, or, or can you still see them at least as an observer? Oh, man, I, you know, I, I don't even watch wrestling that much anymore. Um, I just catch the highlights a lot, especially like on the Bleacher Report or whatever. Wrestling has changed a lot, especially now with the, with the control pandemic, not COVID. <laughs> it has really uh, 
it just really changed, you know, and um, I, I don't know, you know, you, you talk, you know, we talk about the racist stuff, but, you know, we get into all kinds of things, you know, harassment, bullying, you know, sexual harassment, you know, and all that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that shit going around for whatever reason, you know, and um, like I said, when I was coming, when I was coming through the wrestling ranks, it was totally different. It was just different, man. We, it was a code. It was a code of silence. Not saying that it was right, not saying it was wrong, but it was just a code of silence. And it was like, you know, certain things went on and hey, but you know, when I was coming up wrestling, if we knew a person went overboard on certain, on, on some things, we would take him to what they, what they call wrestling court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and your ass would get chewed the fuck out or either get beat the hell down if you did something inappropriate, you know, that's not right. Bullying, I think it went on. I didn't see too much of it, you know, from my end of it, you know what I mean? Because I look at it also like this. It, it, it just, I don't want to get too long into this, but your size and your your reputation also plays a part in if you're going to get bullied or not. So for me in wrestling, I, I came in wrestling, I was already 250 pounds and I was like, I'm ready to go, however you want to do it, you know. A lot of guys that come into wrestling and girls, they never had a, a real street fight before they come into wrestling. And so yeah. it's different. But so if you have a rep, if you have that reputation of, you know, don't get, don't fuck with me in a certain way, then I won't fuck with you. You know what I mean? And so I think now there's a lot of people that, that come into wrestling that don't necessarily know how to fight or have never been into a situation, a real fight. and then they get caught up or, or people surround them and starts to bully them, harass them, whatever, which isn't right. It's not, it's not a right thing to do no matter what. So it's just a different thing. It's just a different, different beast, man, a different nature. There's no room for it because I don't like being bullied. You know what I mean? I don't like being bullied and I don't want someone bullying me. I don't want to be around. Yeah. You know, you fuck with me, I'm going to fuck with you back. If I can't get you in the ring, then we're going to take it outside the ring. If I can't get you there, somehow, we, I'm, I got to do something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, today's wrestling is just totally different, man. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it in context. It's just that it's just different. I'm glad I'm retired. I still love the business, still love the boys, the girls. And, but it's just different, you know? It's just a different animal. I had someone on, I think, I, I think it was Jarrell from MWF. I had her on the other day, and I said, Something to the effect of if someone harasses you, you're female or male, what is the timeline for you to go and tell someone that someone harassed you? Should you wait a day? Should you wait a year? Should you wait 10 years? You know, and we came to that conclusion that, you know, you can't give a definition on that because every situation is different. You know, if I'm trying to get a push in wrestling, you know, and the person that the booker or the matchmaker is the one who gave me the fucking harassment. Yeah. What am I going to go tell? You know what I mean? That goes my push. You right. know what I mean? That goes my shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, what, what do you do? You know, do you, do you kick that person's ass? Do you get that person, do you take him to the police or whatever? So it's a, it's a hard, it's, it's a fucked up situation, I think. You know, I, I don't know. Just wrestling is, is just like not just wrestling, but sports, anything, anything else. But we, when we're talking about wrestling, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. You know? mm -hmm. Before we get to our next question, Chili, let's take a quick break and hear from our other podcasts here on Podcast Network Asia. Hey there, Alex Calier here. 
Bakit ako nandito? Kasi gusto kong ipalam sa'yo na may podcast din ako. It's called Punchline with Alex Calieja. I talk about everything. Serious, happy, sad, pero sa dulo, may punchline or may comedy. Again, it's Punchline with Alex Calieja. Available on Spotify or kung saan ka man kumukuha o naikinig ng podcast. Namumukhaan kita, ilista ko pangalan mo, kaya see you there. I want to transition off of that and talk about when you came up in the wrestling ranks, as you mentioned. You came from the North Carolina scene, right? So what was that like? What year did you enter the business and how did it look like at the time? Were Matt and Jeff Hardy still wrestling in the Indies then? Yes, I came in, excuse me, I came in in 1997. Well, I really, I, I wanted to start wrestling back in 1988 when I got out of high school, 87. Uh, when I got married in 89, I went to Paulsboro, New Jersey, And I tried out for Larry Sharp's uh, Monster Factory. And I think at the time, Tatanka was there, but I didn't know who he was or whatever. Tried out one night, and then I didn't have the money. I left. I, I just got married. Then that was 1989. It wasn't until 1996, 95, 96. I went to Atlanta, tried out for WCW, and I went to the power plant. It was a, it's oh. a three tryout power plant. If you guys ever heard of it, look it up. Yeah. And whoo, it was about 30 guys there, some football players, some indie wrestlers, whatever. Out of 30 guys, I was one of the three who passed a three-day tryout. And if you ever guys ever see a picture with me, me, Chris Benoit, and Steven Regal, that was the day that I graduated, not graduated, but I passed the test. And on that Friday, they came in, the wrestlers came in to get their paychecks. And so that's where when I took the photo with Chris Benoit and, and uh, Steven Regal. But it was a three-day tryout, man, that was crazy. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker was the um, – he was a trainer. And uh, we did squats up the ass. So, anyway, I wanted to go there to that school. And Jody Hamilton, Mr. Wrestler Number Two, was the he was in charge of it. And they wanted $3,000 at the time. I didn't have the money. And so I went home to North Carolina. When I went home to North Carolina – I, I hooked up with uh, a local wrestling scene, went to my high school. They had a wrestling match at my high school. At that, at that match in 1996, 97, you had uh, Joy Matthews, you had Shane Helms, you had Matt, Jeff Hardy, Steve Carino. All those guys were, 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 were running on a circuit. And so that's how I got into the wrestling world. And, um, and I started training with C.W. Anderson and another guy named Gary Simone and C.W. Anderson's cousin, Dan Wright. So through that, me and two other guys, we started training. C.W. was also training a guy named Lodi. I don't know if you guys remember from WCW. Lodi, he was one of Raven's Flock. You guys can look that up also. And after that, we just started, I just started doing shows. And I was on a circuit with guys from Carolina, you know, and the guys from Carolina was... Matt Jeff Hardy, Shane Helms, Steve Carino, Shannon Moore, Caprice Coleman. And then later on, probably closer to around 2000, I would say 2007, 8, something around there. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me back up. Before, before I went to ECW, right after I got out of ECW, uh, Casey McKnight, you guys know him as... Um, uh, Dax Harwood. Shit. Yes, Dax Harwood, yes. That's all we because we only we only know each other guys' names by our, our work names, but uh, uh -huh. we was just working. You know, we were working in a in a in a, in a promotion, 
SCW. And a lot of guys came from that promotion from the South. And so, uh, yeah, we were, I was, I was on that circuit with all those guys, man. And, um, you know, it's still good to see that Matt and Jeff are still doing their thing. You know, and, and so, yeah, but I remember, man, we were, we were doing shows and there was nothing but three people in the crowd, you know, <laughs> three. <Wow. laughs> what does yeah. Dax Harwood like when he was coming up? Ah, Casey, we call him Casey. Casey was, was, man, he could work. You know, he was more chubby. He was more chubby, had more hair than, but that's when, you know, he's, he's a good friend of mine. And, and uh, we worked together, worked each other and, and everything. And uh, he, he's very, very intelligent in the ring. Very, he can work. I didn't know him personally too much outside. We didn't hang out that much outside the ring. I would ECW and then he was still on the indies. And then when I came back, from ECW, came back from, from the military, WWE, got out of wrestling. He was starting to go into wrestling, go into, I'm sorry, WWE. So great mind, man, when it comes to wrestling, you know what I mean? And so uh, it's, uh, it's good whenever I see him on, when I, whenever I see him on, I'm like, yo, you know, KC's doing his thing, you know? That was good, you know, that was him, like I said, the Hardys from North Carolina. And then all the other guys from o- OVW back in 2005 that I was with. Yeah, who was in that class? Bobby Lashley. Let me give you a name. Let me give you a list. Bobby Lashley, John Morrison, wow. Beth Phoenix, Julian Hall, Ken Anderson, the Boogeyman, Beast, what I call rest, you know, God rest his soul, Chad Gaspar. JTG, JTG was in a class lower than us. He was in Rip, Rip Rogers' class. They came in the class after us. Who else? Uh, I think that was – I can't think of no one else. Um, that was it pretty much in that class that, that, that really made it. There were some other people that made it big. Oh, the Pope. Elijah Burke. Burke. He was in Elijah Burke, yeah. Yes, he was in that class. And also, I forgot to mention guys from North Carolina who came up young. They, they, they came up after me. Dawson boys, the Dawson brothers out of uh, in NWA. The NWA. The Dawson's, yeah. Yeah, they uh, – I remember him growing up. Oh, and also Cameron Cameron Grimes, man. He uh, wow. <laughs> of course, yeah. How can you forget? He when he was a little young kid, you know, I wrestled with him and his father, and uh, I remember him as a young kid, and uh, he knows me really well. So I forgot about him because I don't like I, said, I don't watch wrestling that much. I don't I, I don't know who's who, what's what no more. But uh, yeah, that 2005 class out of OVW, man, that was a that was a good class, you know. And um, Dolph Ziggler was in the class also. And we were all taught by – we started out with Bill Mott and then it went to Lance Storm as, uh, as our teacher. So during that time, when, while you, were, you guys were in, quote-unquote, developmental, did you already have a feeling of, on who was going to make it to TV or who was going to be the next big thing? Or were you just all concentrating on your thing? When you looked at Bobby Lashley, you knew he was <laughs> – <laughs> When, when I came out of the military and I went to OVW, I walked in the class and there I saw all those faces and everything. Some of the guys knew me, you know, some of them didn't. But when I saw Bobby Lash, I said, who the fuck is that? That dude is huge. <laughs> Damn. You know, and so uh, you knew that even going through our drills, because we would work Monday through Wednesday. I think Wednesday we had a rest day. Jim Cornette would come in and teach us, go over the certain things, and then... Uh, the rest of the week, Thursday we had matches. So anyway, we would uh, we would do class, we would do our, our drills, man. And 
him, you knew John Morrison was going because he would do flips. Like you guys see him do them, do them flips off the ropes. Right. That shit. Yep. 2005. He was doing them. He was wow. doing it. I mean, it was just, it was just phenomenal. So I knew Beth Phoenix was going, you know, and everyone else was just kind of like, um, you know, we were just all just, you know, taking our time doing, you know, trying to get ourselves together. But there was just like one or two people you knew just by looking at them that they were going to be. And then some people who thought that they were going to be going like Matt Morgan. He was, I don't know if you guys remember Matt Morgan. He was like, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I forgot he was in our class too. He, I mean, big dude, big dude, nice guy, nice guy and everything. I don't know what happened, why they didn't push him more, but you know, some guys, you know, just like me didn't cut it. You know what I mean? I, I didn't cut it because my ass came straight from the war one month right into Louisville, right into OVW. So yeah. my mind was fucking fighting. Like I came straight out of Iraq, you know, I was like, Oh, when I got in the ring, I was like, ah! <laughs> and Tommy Drew was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know better shit than this. What, what's, what's going on, man? I'll, you know, he'd be, he'd be like, you know, give the guy a headbutt, you know, or you know, head, head, head to the turnbuckle, and I'll be like trying to just like really, you know, I was just fucked up. So, you know, we would do promos in front of Paul Heyman. I think one time I did a promo, and I didn't like my promo because they wanted me to be like some GI bro shit, and I was like, ah. I don't want to be another, you know, that, you know, and so they, that's what they're trying to get me to do. And I, I just said to Paul Heyman, I said, I don't like this gimmick. And I think he went back, told Vince, and Vince will, you know, I got a call from John Laurinaitis and he's like, Jelly, uh, we don't think Vince doesn't think he liked your gimmick in. And we, 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 you know, we want to go another direction. Maybe we take you to Puerto Rico or call us Cologne and you can go down there. And I was like, hell no, I'm going home. So, you know, that's what that that was the end of my shit. You know, I went home. <laughs> what was the worst of it? it? Well, the worst of it was I would say it was uh, just everyday training, man. And, I mean, you train every day for like almost eight hours. You know, and it's like and then on Wednesday, I think Wednesday, Thursday, you had a wrestling match at some local place. And all everybody had to put up the ring, take down the ring. But just the everyday drills, you know, you do. I mean, drills up the ass, you know, and so do matches, matches, drill, matches, matches, drill. If you say that you love wrestling and when you were in OBW, they put your ass to the test to see if you really love wrestling because you're going to be there and you were there for years. There was guys there for years, man, before they made a break. Look how long it took Dolph Ziggler before he, he got his break, you know. If you look yeah. back in 2005, it, it takes a long time. And so... That it can wear on you. It can it can really fuck your head up if you're you know. But the outcome is this, you know. Look at what look where they at now. You know that's the outcome. You know future future Hall of Famers. You know and um, icons. So if you put your time in like that, yeah, it's all good. So as a high schooler, I remember my classmates, other wrestling fans in our school, pass around a little disc. Instead of tapes, they got the disc, right? So we'd be passing around this disc, and it got to me, and the disc it just had the words ECW or the letters ECW on it. And to me, it was so mind-blowing to see, if I was not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw matches by Raven and Sandman. And to, have, and to meet you and to know that you came up in the same league as those guys, can you tell me how you got into ECW and if you have any fond memories of it? 
man, I have many, many fun. But how I got into I was like I said, I was trained by C.W. Anderson. C.W., he got in through Steve Carino. And that's how I got pulled in because I was C.W.'s uh, student. And I did a dark match. I did a dark match with a guy named Julio De Niro. And Tommy didn't like the dark match. They liked my, 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 uh, my curtain call. They call it curtain call as you come out and you're dancing or whatever, get the crowd hype. No one knew who I, knew, knew who I was. And so in, in ECW at that time, it was very, it was like a cult-like fan thing. And if you don't know your shit, they're going to they're gonna shit on you. They're going to shit completely on you. And so yeah. even going out to the ring, they're going, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? So you got like thousands of people. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? So I had to prove myself through that. So I got through that match. And Julio helped me. He, you know, he, he, he took me, he held my hand through the match. And then uh, the Baldies, Angel Medina and, and uh, the guys, they, wanted, they were on the ring crew. So they wanted to get off the ring crew. I volunteered to be on the ring crew. So that was my, that was my somewhat ticket in, to be on the ring crew and to wrestle. So Tommy said, hey, I'm not going to put you on contract, but I'll pay you $75 to put up the ring and $75 to wrestle at night. And so I would drive from North Carolina all over fucking United States, wherever, the, wherever ECW was going, and I quit my job. I, I just sacrificed, and that's how I got in. And uh, they guaranteed me that. And so I, didn't, I was doing a lot of dark matches, like with, with guys like uh, the Italian guy, FBI guy. Uh, what's his Guido, little Guido. Nunzio? Um, I would, yeah, little Guido. Yeah, Nunzio, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, yeah, little Guido, Nunzio. Yes, yes. And these guys would walk me, man. They would, they would hold my hand through the matches and tell me what to do, what not to do, whatever, whatever. I had to, I had to learn my own confidence, you know, inside the ring. That's something they can't teach you, but they can teach you to go through the moves. And so I, sometimes I would, I would be in a wrestling match and looking like a deer with headlights, you know, staring to the headlights and shit. Like, ugh. And they're like, no, no. So, you know, I would do a lot of dark matches and stuff like that. And then eventually... It, it started to grow a little bit. And then they were putting me guys with Ball Mahoney's. They put me with Sandman. One time they put me with Raven. You know, they put me with Raven. And I think that was the first and last time I ever saw Mike Awesome because we were at somewhere but uh, in Taz. And so, you know, because of my size at that time, Paul really wanted to – he wanted to push me. And then I had a thing with, with Rhino. And so – but at the time, the, the company was going down also. So – he was going, yeah. Paul was going somewhere and I was going, you know, I couldn't, couldn't get pushed like I wanted to. But he was really trying to push me because he was the one who got me into, into WWE when I was in Iraq. Before I even came out of the military, Paul Heyman had already set up a storyline with, with, with Chili Willie going up against Muhammad Hassan and all this shit and all that. But it never, it never came to fruition because I wasn't ready. But ECW, yeah, that's, that's how I got in. Nice. All right. So from all the things you learned doing your stint in ECW and OVW and all around uh, the South and the East of the U.S., are there things that you take with you when you train your students out here? Yes. Yes. When I, when I started uh, training guy, the, the students here at AOW, the first thing, even when I went to PWR and, 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 and I, I was sitting in some of the classes, Roll, you were there, basic shit to me is, was, was, is the key. Because 
if you think that you're going to go in, you can do all your high-flying shit now because you're in the indies. No one gives a fuck. No one really gives a fuck. But the, but the fans that, that's, that's around here. But you take your ass and you go to tryout for AEW, you go to tryout for WWE. If you go in and you start doing that bullshit, they're going to laugh at you. They're going to say, get the fuck out. They'll never come back here again. All right? <laughs> they already got Ray Mysterio. <laughs> they already, you know what I mean? They already got people who could do that. Some, they want to see if you can. It's like, it's like writing. Okay? So they want to see if you can put a sentence together. You know, you tell someone, I want to write a book. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a ghost writer. Well, motherfucker, you can't even put a sentence together. You can't even put a paragraph. You know what I mean? So it's like wrestling is the same thing. You know, you go in. They want to, they want to see your lockup first. They want to see just, just in your lockup. People don't understand this. That's what I'm trying to get. It's okay that we are, we're all marks. We love wrestling and we see it. But you don't know how many thousands and thousands of lockups they do. You, when you see Roman Reigns lockup with Jey Uso, you don't know how many times they did the lockup. You don't in, in their careers. So the thing is, your lockup is the first thing. You have a shitty lockup, the, the agents are going to be like, yo, hold up. So who taught you? That's the first thing you're going to say. Who taught you? And so if you're a student of mine and you go somewhere and you lock up, and it looks like poo-poo shit. And you say, oh, you throwing out big names? Oh, I was taught by Roman. You know, I was taught by Stan C. I was taught by fucking Chili. We're going to be mad as fuck. You know what I mean? Because who, who taught you that shit? You have to. So my thing is basics first. You really, really, just like anything else, just like in, in radio or whatever, you, whatever profession you do, you got to know your basics. And so that's, to me, you can, you can add all the other stuff in. You're going to yeah. learn that. You, you're going to try that on your own. Uh-huh. But if you don't know how to get to that, the wrestling match is not going to make It's not going to make sense. It's not going to pull out an uh, epic match like you really want it to be. 100%. Yeah. I, I want to piggyback off of Tina's question because you mentioned uh, your students here. Last time we had you on the podcast, I think you had just left AOW. So what's happened since then? Yeah, well, everyone knows that story. <laughs> You know what I mean? Eight, you mean yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can backtrack to that episode. Uh, we're, we're looking for the sequel right here. <laughs> yeah, what have you been up to since leaving? I mean, you know, you're a free agent everywhere. Yeah, since leaving AOW, man. I got invited to go to NWF and train and help. The owner there, he, he asked me to come in just to be like a consultant type guy. Not a, not, a, not a trainer trainer because they have their own. But he just wanted me to go in and critique certain things and help, you know. So before the pandemic, that's what I was doing. Just going around helping and uh, just trying to critique. I remember seeing you there, role at one time. Yep, one yep. your first day. Yeah, yeah. So we were just there. You know, I'm just there just doing that. And then I, I, I went into a Blackzilla gimmick. You know, I wanted to. I, I always that. wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I fucked up. I got hurt in, in, in PWR. Yeah. And uh, I always wanted to do that. So after I, after my injury, it took almost a year before that injury went away. It was a bad injury. I didn't know how bad it was, but my old ass thought I could go in and do it, do a couple of flips. But uh, <laughs> and so I did that, you know, and and, and uh, that's about it, you know, just going and helping helping who I can help, and uh, you know, just trying to stay relevant when it comes to keeping the basics of, of pro wrestling alive you know what i mean you could do your, like i said you could do your own thing but if you don't know the basic 
it's, it's not going to help. And I think here in the Philippines, all three promotions, you know, PWR, MWF, now WUW, you know, you guys are starting to get international people come in, you know, from different parts of the world. It's really good and it's, it would really behoove each wrestler to know their basics because you might come across someone that just came off television, you know, like TJ, uh, what's the TJ Parker guy? You know, I mean, if you don't know how to lock up, he's going to be ah. So you want to make sure that you, all the rest of them, they should, they should want to make sure that they know their, their skills, you know what I mean, and know it well. And uh, that's all I've been doing, just trying to help in that, in that sense. Just give, give my knowledge the best way I can, you know. Chili, we want to ask you about your injury. But before we get into the details of that one, let's take a quick break and hear from our other podcasts here on Podcast Network Asia. Are you a big sports fan? If so, make sure to listen to Off the Record with me, Mix Bustos. Together, we'll get up close and personal with the biggest names in the sports industry. Check it out after listening to this episode. Off the Record is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms thanks to Podcast Network Asia. Catch you guys on my show. All right, so you mentioned that you donned the Batzilla gimmick and at your very first match, you actually got injured. Now, I was at that show when you faced uh, beautiful Billy Swade. So I remember that exact moment where you took, uh, was it a hip toss? It was a hip toss, right? It was right? a hip toss. It was right? an arm drag. <laughs> an arm drag. Okay, sorry. So you, you took an arm drag and it, it took forever to you, for you to get up. So what I want to know is what went through your mind as the incident happened? Like, did you, did you panic? Or did you want to finish the match? Yeah, what happened was we called it. I said, okay, let's call it in the back. We called three. I was going to do three arm drags. Three arm drags. Then he's going to give me a hip toss. I was going to powder out, come back in, and we are going to do something else. Got into one hip toss, two hip toss. Boom! When it hit me, it felt like my balls detached. Shit. <laughs> my balls detached from my from my from my legs. And I tried to move. I said, oh no, no. Because a couple of years ago I, I tore a ligament in my in my uh, left leg, my left hip. And so I knew how I felt in the ring. And when that happened, I, I said, What in the world? I said, Billy, I said, man, something wrong, something wrong. He said, what's wrong? I said, keep going, keep going. I said, oh, no. And so I tried to get up. And when I tried to get up, I tried to dance. It looked like I was dancing. <laughs> but what I was doing was I was trying to stretch my, my, my growing muscle because it happened in my growing. So I was stretching it, trying to, trying to uh, make it feel better. And I said, just powder me out. We go outside, do a, do a couple of things. And, and when he threw me back in the ring, I couldn't move again. I said, oh, no, go to the top, man. Just finish it, finish it, finish it. And so I was really, really upset with myself. I said, my old ass, man, like, there's no, you know, that's the thing with, that's the thing about getting old in wrestling. You think that you're a certain age and you think you can still do certain things. I didn't train really hard enough the weeks coming into that match. I just thought, okay, I got it in my head, you know, I'm, I'm chilly, really, I can do it. Went in there, fucked up, stunk up the room. And so at the time, my wife, God bless her soul, she was, she was like, oh, what happened? What happened? And, you know, my stepdaughter at the time, they were, you know, went to the hospital. 
they did a ultrasound. They couldn't find anything. So within the next couple of days, my, my in, inside of my leg on my right side was black and blue. Like, Jesus. So I, I tore something, but the, but the, the doctors, they couldn't find anything. So I don't know what happened. You know, until this day right now, sometimes I can touch like the inner thigh, inside of my thigh and, and there's like a bump there. There's like a knot there Ooh. from that. Yeah. So. Ouch. I want to take it back to MWF because uh, you, you did mention that uh, you have a bit of a relationship with them now as a consultant. And uh, over the last couple of years, a lot of AOWW students and, and wrestlers moved to MWF. So what was that like for you, seeing all of them come right back? Well, what happened was when, 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 when everything went down with AOW, it was basically three people that was involved that I, I thought that was involved, okay? And, but I was trying to, I knew who the one person was who was fucking up everything. But I was trying to, I was trying to tell the, <laughs> I was trying to tell the other two people, don't listen to this guy, you know? And so they didn't realize what I was trying to tell them until afterwards. And now we're cool. We're, you know, we're all cool except for the one guy, He's not around. So when WUW started their thing, because ALW guys, even, even, even some of my own students, some of my own students was mad at me when I went on your podcast the last time. They were fucking hot oh, with me, man. Yeah, they were like, why you say that? And I said, look, I just tell the truth. I, I say what the fuck I want to say, first of all. If any one of you motherfuckers don't like it, then whether it is what it is, come see me. But <laughs> I'd like to see them try. At that time, they were mad at me. And I, and I understood why, because, because of what I said. I was kind of ticked off also at the whole situation. But now that the smoke has cleared and everything, and now they see, they see, or they saw what they see. They see what, they, what, what I was trying to tell them before. And they, and, they, and, and they see it now. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach was right. He was right, you know. But at the time, they were mad, you know, because they thought that I was abandoning them, you know, and I didn't want to. And it wasn't them. I was trying to look out for them to prosper. I wanted them to get paid. I wanted them to, to be recognized. And so when WUW started, and I got to give a big ups to Big Machine because he, he, got, he got that going. And so I, I really, I, really um, I like that. And I, I give him a lot of credit for keeping it going. And so when WUW started, it was only a couple of them that went there. So I was over at MWF and I think, one of my students, Nuke, who, who was really loyal to me, no matter what the situation was, he was loyal. He was one that was not mad at me. And then maybe there were, there were a couple of them, but I know Nuke was not mad at me. And so when I went to MWF, I was telling uh, Tariq, I said, look, Tariq, we should, you know, get Brother Nuke in here to come over. And so that's, he was the first one to come over. I got him into MWF. And when yeah. he did it, then I think, and then WUW, the, well, the AOW guys had friction within themselves. They started, they started bickering within themselves. I don't know the whole, I don't know the story about that. But then they start, they, but then they split <laughs> off. They split off and WUW started. So when WUW started, you know, there was still some, some, some guys over here in AO, from AOW that was like out there. And so I was like, fuck it, man. We put all that shit behind us, you know. Let's just all try to work together, you know. Because I saw that PWR was working with MWF, and that's what I wanted. I said, we should all be working together. What the fuck is going on? And so I had Nuke over there, and then 
I think uh, we we was trying to get another guy from a, from from AOW, but at the time, like I said, they were bickering. They didn't want they didn't want to come over to NWF. But then there was one or two that wanted to, and so they came over. I think uh, Night Asian Nightmare Ken uh, Ken Cipher, went, he, yeah, yeah. I think he came over to do some. I think, uh, and then it was uh, Romel and Ellie. I think they came over. I think that was at that time. I think that was it, you know. And so what happened was, I think Tariq started going to their show, WW show, and they started working with each other or something like that. And now I think they they all kind of like. Um, oh, and then I think uh, what's his name, Brian Leo. He he's over there. He 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 came over. And all of that came about after Tajiri. I think Tajiri came in. When they started a match with Tajiri and um, um Fabio Makisi. Uh, yeah, yes. there we go. Fabio yes. Makisi. When they saw that, and then I was on that, I was also on that. And then they saw um I forgot who else was on it. But then they were asking me, you know, hey coach, can we get in? And and I was like, I have no I said I don't really have a say because I'm not I don't own NWF. I said, yeah. but I can to them. I can talk to Tariq and ask if you could, you know, if, if he wants you guys to come in. And I Brian Leo, that's how he got in with NWF because of that. after that night, him and Tariq talked or something like that. And so then they all just started collaborating. Yeah, that was also like, the night that PWR decided to just cut off ties with MWF. Oh, uh, yeah, really? I don't know about that. What happened there? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the history between PWR and Brian Leo or Yusuf is well documented. So the moment that uh, Yusuf showed up on MWF, everybody who was on PWR at the time was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> We're not working with them anymore. I think Stan, he was being sarcastic. I think he knows exactly what went down. <laughs> 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 That's my boy. You said, what's up, yo? That's my boy. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, that's what you, <laughs> you guys have. You guys have your issues and shit. But that's how, I think that's how all that came. It was after that, it was that night after the show because me and Tajiri was hanging out and then all the, all the, um, some of the AOW guys at that time were, were hanging out. We all ate and stuff. And then I think they talked with Tariq or whatever. And, yeah. And, and my goal, my goal is, is that everyone, Everyone worked together and didn't have like promotions work promotions, you know. That's that was my thing. Why not? You know, it's only three promotions here in the country, you know. Why not band together? But they, but then, but then I see that there was some in, internal shit going on. So I was like, Ooh, yeah, I better stay out of, you know. No, it's, but but like, no- I mean, it's a great goal. You know, to your credit, it's a great goal. It it uh, in a perfect world, it would be nice to have. But you know, uh, we live in a world where there aren't any live events even. So we can't even have wrestling. So like, <laughs> there's none of that shit going on. My question is, well, okay, with PWR. Oh, I got a couple of questions. But my question is, what what will you guys do now? I mean, will you do something like a Thunderdome type show, or how how, how is this? How are you guys planning on? Re- you gotta ask them, brother. <laughs> Row and I left. Yeah. Yeah. To the other question. What ha- I saw something online. What happened? You guys need to talk to me. What the fuck happened? I saw we'll, like we'll clear this off. We'll clear this off the air with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk to you uh, off the record about that shit because <laughs> nobody, nobody from the people who left has gone on record to say anything other than the statement that was put out. And at this point, we kind of want to keep it that way. Okay, I was shocked. I was, I was just 
guys. I'm just telling you right now. I was shocked as all hell because those was those was, was like the crew. That was the powerful connection there. It was like that's all a PWR. There is no more Chilly, PWR. Chili. Those are your words, man. Those are not our words. We did not call ourselves that. Those are your words, brother. <laughs> yeah, for me, a guy on the outside looking in, I was like, that's the top guys. What the fuck? That's like that's like WWE. That's like Triple H fucking sh- uh, shaming man. <laughs> Patterson, Tony Guerrilla, that's like, it's, it's like everybody's gone. I'm like, so who run the PWR? I was just shocked as hell. You guys got to tell me what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just wanted to know how, you know, how would you guys, or how would, you know, wrestling uh, come back in the Philippines now that I just. <laughs> we got to get how, rid of the Rona first. <laughs> I think that's the top priority. We got to get no, rid no, of that no. virus. Um, uh, I think what he's asking is, with or without the Rona, uh, how will we do it? And I think the way to do it really would be to uh, have empty studio wrestling shows, the way others like others have had or others have tried, like WWE in the past few months, in the first few months of the lockdown and stuff. So that's mm. that's only the really the only way to go here if you want to put out something. Uh, we want to put out some content, but the matter is if you could find any studio that's willing to give you that time and space to work out some shows, right? So that's what? the that's everyone's problem, I think, no matter what promotion you are here in the country. So that's Plus really the advertising. Cool. Yeah, the advertising. Um, the advertising well. industry, for one, here uh, isn't really in a good place because of the pandemic. And two, it's kind of hard to get sponsorship money for a very niche interest like wrestling. It was hard pre-pandemic. It's going to be hard as all hell uh, in, the, in the time of the pandemic. Yeah, I was, I was trying to get you guys. I was also trying to get the wrestling, the Philippine wrestling to, to, to get licensed. You know, I was, I was trying to tell Tariq, I said, why don't you guys go to Gab, you know, the game. Gaming amusement for it. You know, and try to get you know, but that's a that's a, that's a whole, another whole subject. But yeah, I was just trying to figure out if you know if wrestling would come back here in the Philippines, and you know, it it would be hard. They they're doing it in America. I see on online. Uh, I don't know how they're making money. Um, they're doing it in people's backyards with cars all around, and people are honking their horns and shit like that. So the business is going to take. It's taking a hit now. You know. And um, I don't know how you can bounce back from this. Man, I'm with you. Honestly, I, I can't wait for a time when we can have live events again, when we can have wrestling again. But with the way that the pandemic has basically taken over the country and our lives, I don't even know when we'll have live events again. I, I, I kept saying in the past few months, oh, wait a year, wait a year. Uh, we're six months in and a year from now is October 2021. So I don't know if uh, you know if that's how much longer we're gonna have to wait until we see wrestling back in the Philippines. I don't know. That's yeah. me. I guess for now this would be the only entertainment, the the, the podcast. You know. Yeah, exactly. We just shoot that's on. Why each we're other. doing it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, shoot on each other. See how many viewers we can get. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not. We're not necessarily about that life. Yeah, we know, try not what? to be. We try not to be. As we wind down, Chili, uh, is there anything other than the podcast that you want our listeners to check out? No, man. Just you know, I, I mean, check out my shit whenever I have it on. I don't. I don't. I don't have a schedule. You know, I'm not like professional. Professional. My shit's straight ghetto. You know what I mean? If I wake up, 
if I wake up one day and I'm going to do my podcast, then I'll do it. You'll know when you'll see it. It's like coming live in five minutes. But if I don't, oh, well, don't look for it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I, I thank you guys for having me on. And um, I, like you said, I hope we get back to some type of normalcy soon. And I, and I wish all the, the wrestling uh, organizations here well, PWR, you know, it, uh, WUW, MWF. And uh, those that are coming, the Rakishi are here. You know, I keep hearing about. We so, heard about that. Yeah, yeah. They, they did give us a call before this whole lockdown thing happened. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that that happened. But, you know, I just appreciate you guys having me on, man. And I uh, love you guys, man. It's always good to talk to you guys. Always. We always appreciate having you on, Chili. All the love right back at you. So, thank you so much for making time for us again. And as always, we love the stories. And I can't wait until the time we can have a beer again in person. I know. Uh, well, I had to stop drinking beer, man. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the gout. The gout. So we, we drink and you, you can eat. <laughs> yeah. Or we drink, you tell us stories. You tell us yeah, more tell good us stories, stories that we can't have on the record. I haven't drunk a beer in about three weeks now. So, you know, <laughs> I stop. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I had to do a mango shake or something. But it's all, all right. Good. <laughs> it's a deal. It's a deal. Thanks, Chili. <laughs> Thank you guys, man. Take care. Thanks. Thanks again to Chili Willie for joining us on this exclusive audio-only episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Anachina, did the expectations meet reality? Yeah, no. I mean, I feel like he's the type of guy who doesn't run out of stories. I remember <laughs> when we first did an interview with Chili, we had to split it up in two episodes because he just kept going and yeah, going. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> first of all, that's good because you not I think this is it. the shortest episode we've done with Chili. Yeah, that's true. I think I think it really is, and I didn't even expect some teeth to come out there. He's actually <laughs> no, he's actually a great guest to have on, and I yeah, want, he is. I want him back tomorrow. That's how great. That's how great. I <laughs> I'm not surprised he has his own podcast. Like uh, Chili, if you're listening to this, uh, I would love to go on your podcast. I think the rest Same of us would love to go on your podcast as well. Please have <laughs> Our opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got him. That's true. They all stink. No matter what you are. Even mine. <laughs> so check out his podcast, Chili Willie's Opinions. Again, just uh, check it out on Anchor. And if it's on Anchor, that means it's probably on Spotify. Yeah. Speaking of Spotify, that's where you can find us or your favorite other podcatchers. So make sure you download, subscribe, and follow us and uh, all the other shows on Podcast Network Asia as well. We're also on Kumu. Give us a follow over there at Wrestling Wrestling Pod. All right? Now, stay tuned because later this week, we've got our live wrestling talk edition 7 p.m. on Thursday on Kumu and on Facebook Live. That's facebook.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast. We have a lot to unpack. That Clash of Champions main event for one. Retribution not being on Raw number two. <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah, we're also previewing NXT TakeOver 31. 31, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to on Thursday. So join us 7 p.m. on Facebook and on Kumu. Until then, though, you can hit us up and send your crappy opinions uh, to us so we can hit you back with our equally crappy opinions at Wrestling2XPod on Twitter, at RoisWar, at China Supersized, and at underscore Stan C. And if you want to tweet Camus and tell him to come back, hit him up at Caveman Camus. All right? On behalf of, well, the indisposed draft Camus, Ro Moran and Chino Liao, and our new babyface producer, Sola, my name is Stan C. This episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast featuring Chili Willy is officially in the books. We out. Peace. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.